This morning we are talking about worship. And again, a, a completely different thing than, than I thought we were coming into in the week. Uh, but I feel like God is wanting us to camp out in this space for a little bit. And how we define worship is, is, is attributing value to something. It is worth something, something that, that you put worth in. And if you would entertain me just for a little bit, I want you to even think about this idea of worth. Of, of value. And I want you to entertain me with, with thinking for a bit about this question. What is the most valuable gift that someone has ever given to you? It could be, uh, think about it, uh, or maybe the most valuable gift that you have given to someone else. What comes to mind? Right, for some people, this is like, uh, I don't know, uh, engagement ring. Right, that's a, a very, that thing is expensive. <laughs> uh, Lord knows. <laughs> uh, right, but, we, but we, we view these things as worthy. Right, why did you give this person that gift? And, and why did that person gift you something? Entertain the question, how did that make you feel to receive such a valuable gift? The reality is this, that gifts are one way that we as a society communicate care and affection toward one another. And some of you might be familiar with uh, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, who wrote the book, The Five Love Languages. Are you all familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, you all are familiar with that. If you grew up in church, uh, even outside of that, I think it was a New York Times bestseller. Uh, there's five love languages that he kind of talks about, and, and one of them is the idea of gift-giving. Right? And, and he says uh, that, that if, 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 if you realize this, that most of these like, ways that we show affection can be put into a few categories, and one of them is the giving and the receiving of gifts. And if you don't believe me, just do a quick Google search, and you'll find that the average person during the holiday season spends about $1,000 on gifts. Uh, maybe the household. The household spends about $1,000 on, on gifts. That's how we communicate care. It's how we communicate love. It's how we show affection. Maybe some of that is just capitalism and society. But <laughs> you're looking at the prices like but Black Friday. Everybody is lined up. And I was like, this is no longer about love and affection. <laughs> you're just trying to get a deal, and you're willing to stop anybody that gets in your way. Uh, but this is a, truly a way that we show love and, and affection. According to uh, an article in a horrendous magazine that I would not recommend anyone in this room read, Cosmopolitan, <laughs> the article says that the thing is that while the actual gift is great and all, for people with the love language, it's more about the thought behind the gift. The present serves as a tangible, symbolic reminder of the love shared. Dr. Overstreet says that taking the time to pick out a gift specific for, for a person shows they are worthy of your time and energy. And so what does this have to do with uh, John 12, uh, which is kind of where we're at in this series? And I would say that, that John records one of the most incredible gifts and acts of worship recorded in the entirety of Scripture, not only because of the gift itself, but the posture of heart toward Jesus. If you have a Bible and you want to pull one up on your phone or read along, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. The Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. 
And it reads like this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one who had raised Jesus from the dead, or the one that was raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them. Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with them. Then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in it. Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. And a large crowd of the Jews learned he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one, Lazarus, the one he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus also, because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. If you've been with us any amount of time, you know that we've been journeying through the Gospel of John. And it's been a slow, a slow journey but it's been an impactful one. It's a powerful story. It's a narrative told by one of Jesus' closest, closest friends of the life and miracles that Jesus performed, feeding thousands of people with just a few, uh, what Ryan always says, a, a, a lad's lunch pail. <laughs> and we see that, that Jesus is raising people from the dead, and it's incredible. But John makes this very clear of why he's doing it. In chapter 20, verse 31, he says that, that he writes these things so that you would know Jesus, believe in him, and have life in his name. Right? The reason why John wrote, writes this gospel so that you would believe in what has been written and believe in Jesus and have life. And our reason for journeying through John as well is the same thing. We're not pulling any punches. We want people to know Jesus. And we want people to have life in his name. As a church, we truly believe that, that real life is found only in Jesus. Like, like we talk about your best life now and all these kinds of things. Like that is not possible apart from who Jesus is and walking in relationship with him. Ryan last week preached an incredible sermon. I would, I would say if you, if you have not heard it yet, go back and listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube, or whatever, uh, or just ask him for his notes. I'll send them to you. But, but it was an incredible conversation about how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And, and one of the things that he hit on was that Jesus was using the situation so that God would be glorified. And John 12 picks up where that story left off. Jesus has just healed Lazarus after he had been dead for four days. And because of this miracle, people who had witnessed what had happened start to believe in Jesus, right? It's pretty hard to deny, right? You, you saw this man was, was dead for four days. All of a sudden, this, this teacher that you've been hearing about for a while now comes into town, heals him, and you're like, okay, there's something about this. And, and many people, Scripture would indicate, follow Jesus because they have seen the work of God with their very eyes. Now, that is part of the crowd. Others, not all that impressed. And it's so much not that they're impressed, but they're kind of manipulated by the Pharisees at this point. And what they do is not worship Jesus. In fact, they actually scheme to have him killed. 
And not only him, they also throw Lazarus into this bunch because people were believing in Jesus because of the miracle that happened to him. So they went on to tell the Pharisees they formulated a plot to kill Jesus. And in this point, Jesus, Scripture indicates that no longer walks in public. He, he kind, of, kind of goes to the side. You'll see that he kind of, kind of scurries away a little bit, not in fear, but because the time had not yet come. Right? And so he is no longer walking among the masses like he was before. Instead, he devotes his time to his disciples and the closest friends, and they are walking together, living together. And it's in this circle, in this closest uh, friend group and proximity to Jesus that we find an incredible act of worship from Mary when she anoints Jesus with his perfume. Verse 1 tells us that shortly after the miracle that Jesus performs in, in raising Lazarus from the dead, that, that some of his closest friends, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, have a dinner in his honor, right? This is a time for celebration. Just like we celebrated friends in this room coming to know Jesus, we believe that it's going from death to life. They are having a feast, right? Like who wouldn't? Right? This is your friend. This is your familia. These are the people that, that hey, if they're here with us and they weren't at first, we're going to throw a big pachanga. There's going to be barbecue in the works. Like we, we are going to celebrate. And we see this happening in this passage. They have a dinner in his honor. And Martha was doing her very typical thing and, and serving. Right? We, we, we see that Martha is, is known for kind of doing things all the time in, in other passages of Scripture. She's just kind of one of those go-getters, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, we all know those that, that when, when you're at their house, like, they cannot sit still. Anybody ever been, been that? If, that's not me. If you come to my house, I'm like, there's food in the fridge. They get a beer. You get what you want. Like, and there's others that are just like, oh, my gosh, and they will not sit down. And you're like, I'm here. Like, like let's just hang, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and Martha is at work just serving, and it's, and it's an incredible thing, right? I'm not saying that's wrong. If you're given that, if that's you, like you have an incredible gift of hospitality, and we say thank you, Lord, for people like you. <laughs> but we see that Martha is, is just kind of doing her things. She's check, probably checking on the food, making sure everybody's comfortable, making sure the temperature's right, even though they didn't have AC like that. Uh, but, but she's kind of doing her thing. She's serving. She's hospitable. And this is Martha and Lazarus. Well, I can only imagine what that was like. <laughs> Lazarus sitting on the table is like, yeah, I was dead four days ago. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I'm here. Like, imagine just kind of the stories. He, he's just reclining at the table, chilling, hanging out, and, and just being present in the moment. I, I, I was like reading this, and I was just thinking, like, what would that have conversation been like? Like, did you see anything? Like, what was that? What was that like? He's like, I don't know. I'm here, though. <laughs> like, I wasn't here four days ago. And, and, and just putting yourself in, in kind of this story that Martha is busy. I mean, just think about your own family. You, you know that there's probably people just kind of sitting, hanging at the table, and somebody's kind of doing all the work and, and getting things ready. This is, this is the context for which this is happening. Lazarus is just, I'd imagine, reclining. Scripture says reclining at the table, uh, talking with Jesus. I, I'd imagine it's something that's just beautiful, casual. It's, it's fun. Uh, G, they're just enjoying fellowship and relationship. Other disciples were kind of sitting around, probably listening in on the conversation. And then we come to Mary in this story. And her act of worship is so unpre unprecedented that in Matthew 26, 13, 
Jesus says, this is truly I say to you that wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Right? In the, the midst of this people, these people that are gathered, Mary makes her way toward Jesus in awe of who he is. Right? Uh, her heart is full of adoration and worship, and she anoints Jesus with the finest, finest fragrance. She lets her long hair down, which, which was then deemed as the glory of a woman. Right? This was like a big deal. She lets her hair down and uses it, uses it to wipe the feet of Jesus. And we read this in today's context, and we're like, I got to be honest, it's a little strange. Like if somebody just broke a bottle of Chanel on you and then used their hair to wipe your feet, you'd be like, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> and honestly, that happened to me, you all should leave. <laughs> like that's, that, that's, that's odd because I am not Jesus. But this, Mary understands who he is. And his heart, her heart is full of adoration and in awe of who he is. And she's relishing in the moment this Jesus that is before her. Right? We, we see that, that she's in the presence of everyone, right? Her, her friends, her, her family, the, the disciples that are around. And she just makes a beeline for Jesus. Gets the most expensive perfume. Scholars would, would note that this was probably a, a perfume that was a year's worth of salary. So imagine what you make for an entire year, giving that away to somebody as a gift. Like, just, just here you go. And she breaks this, this, this perfume and, and anoints Jesus and lets her hair down, which was uncommon because it, there's also like, this is a woman. She's not supposed to do this. And Judas gets upset, and Jesus lets this thing happen. We see that, that Mary has this kind of intuition of, of, of wanting to be and enjoy relationship with Jesus. This is who she is. She, she sees Jesus in the moment and, and just wants to give of herself for Jesus. In Luke 10, 38, 42, we have another example of, of Mary's affection and worship toward Jesus. It says this, that as they traveled along, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his message. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations to be made. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Again, Martha's just doing her thing, just serving. And then she's mad because Mary's like just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him talk. We see that that Mary has an inclination to, to just be with Jesus. In verse 41, it says, Martha, Martha, the Lord replied, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus loves this, this kind of fellowship, this intimacy, this relationship, right? this, this act of worship of just simply being with Jesus. And Mary understands in this moment in John 12 what Judas missed and possibly some of the disciples in that moment and what we often miss today. Mary truly understands what worship is. We, we tend to hear the word worship and we think about songs 
when you think about fun little, I don't know, transitions and, and things in an experience. But it's so much more than that. As I was preparing for uh, this message this, this morning, uh, I was just rocked, honestly, by the extravagance of this gift. Like, I, I just started to think, like, I, I don't make a ton of money, but, like, I, I don't know that I would spend my whole salary on anyone. Like, just to give that away in a moment's notice. As a, as a, as a symbol of affection, Right, that, that, that this is happening, and in in Judas, probably I probably would have reacted a lot like Judas uh, in that. Hey, we could have used this. Ryan knows I'm very like uh, in our meetings. Ryan has these great ideas, and I'm like, hold on, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> Let let's do this. Let's do this instead. And I, I would say that Ryan is incredibly spirit led, and I, I I too am spirit led, but I have a lot more guardrails. <laughs> uh, just being honest. And so I would probably respond in, in, in a similar way to Judas. Like, hold on. Like, we, we could have done something with this. We could have done something different. But yet, we see that Jesus receives this gift gladly. One of the takeaways that came to me was something that I think is true for many of us, that we have a misunderstanding of what worship is. At the core of worship is the realization that true worship is costly because it requires a giving of ourselves and the object of our adoration and affection is Jesus and not my needs or my wants or what I feel. Right? That the object of everything we have to give is Jesus and not just me. And that is hard to come to grips with. It's why we're fine worshiping Jesus when everything is great in our life, and then the minute that, that, that things are difficult, we kind of back away. Or, or we, we, we're all about like coming and singing songs, but that the minute that, that life goes a little bit different, our, our, our worship changes, our, our tone changes in, in how we approach things, even with Jesus. And the reality of our lives is that no matter who you are, or where you are in your faith journey, or walk with Jesus, we are all as humans worshipers of something. For, for Judas, we see that the biggest downfall of who he was was his worship actually of money. That this became a hindrance between him and Jesus. That John would say he actually kept taking money for himself. We see that, that money was the thing that, that caused him to actually betray Jesus and led to Jesus' crucifixion. For Mary, though, uh, Jesus was the object of her love and affection. And reading her interaction with Jesus reminded me of another passage uh, of, of Scripture that honestly has been quite convicting for me because it shows me a lot of times where my affections really are. It's a, it's a popular verse, and maybe if you're familiar with the old band Mumford & Sons, they have this line in one of their songs. But it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, it doesn't take a, a very quick uh, uh, deep dive into my bank account to find what I actually value. I value coffee. I value, amen. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan's like, mm-hmm. I do value coffee. I value Netflix. I value subscription services. But when it comes to Jesus, it, where, where is, is, is my, my treasure even reflecting that? And that's not meant to be uh, 
a knock or, or a sermon on giving. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm getting at. This is not to shame you into like, all right, where's your tithe? <laughs> like, go ahead, throw that on the side. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a give link. Uh, no, this is not what that's about. But it's, it is to ask the question like, where is our treasures? Because scripture says that our heart will actually be there. And for Judas, money was his thing. But we all maybe have something that, that takes our affection and adoration away from Jesus and puts it onto the things that we actually desire. Again, this isn't to shame anyone, but, 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 but we're, what are we giving our lives to? Right? What are we giving our treasure to? What are we giving our adoration and affection to? For some of us, the treasure looks like Netflix and the uh, subscription services and Spotify Premium. I got that. I like Spotify Premium. I don't like ads. All right? Uh, YouTube, that one was too expensive, so I couldn't, couldn't pull that one off. I'm like, I still got to give, you know. But, but the reality is that this reveals our heart and where we are. And it's helpful to make us look at our lives and ask, what do we worship and does my life reflect that? What does my life reflect that I'm actually worshiping? So what, kind, what is this kind of devotion that we see from the life of Mary? What does that look like for you and for me? Uh, this week, while Ryan was in Colorado just worshiping Jesus in, in the mountains, and he was sending me photos of the weather, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> Lord, forgive me of my envy right now. <laughs> it's 107, <laughs> and it's like 37 degrees when he woke up, and he's sending me screenshots. I'm like, I love you. That's, uh, that's all just I'm praying for you. Uh, well, while Ryan was, was out uh, this week, I was moving. So we got an office at First Presbyterian Church downtown. They've been incredibly generous. And I was setting up all this stuff. And I, I don't know if you, you know, I'm kind of a nerd just by surgery is like, yep. Uh, my sister would make fun of me all the time when she's like, ask a question. And she's like, then you go into like two hour explanations of something in the Bible that I was like, I wasn't even asking that. <laughs> uh, but because we're in uh, their offices, I started thinking about just the Westminster Catechism. I know this is kind of strange, right? <laughs> like, you're like, what, what does even that mean? A catechism is basically like a set of doctrines, a, a teaching that, that you learn as a young kid into adulthood. And it's based on just question and answers, right? So it's just like, what is it that you believe? And then it's like a one sentence, two sentence kind of response so that kids and, and even adults are familiar with like their tenets of faith and the commandments and all these kinds of things. And so we're moving, or we, I'm moving our, our stuff. Alex helped me uh, a little bit. And so I'm moving the stuff in our office. And I just kind of was walking around their, their offices and it hit me that one of the, their, their very first things in the Westminster Shorter Catechism uh, hit me about what they believe and what we are to believe as Christians. And it, it made me think about like our own worship. So from a young age, these kids are learning, and we're even learning as adults. It says this, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the first question, the very first thing they ask, what is the chief end of man? And the answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Right? What is my purpose in this world? It's to glorify God and to enjoy his presence. And I just started thinking, man, if, if this could be summed up in any way, this is exactly what, what Mary was doing in John 12. 
that she understood that, that her reason for being and her reason for just, just being there with Jesus, that, that all she could do in that moment was to glorify God, and she offered him her best. She understood that, that the best thing there was, was to give Jesus her undivided attention and the best that she had and simply enjoy his presence. And I love this. I, I, just, I just kept reciting this uh, in, in my quiet time this morning. That, like, what is the chief end of man? To, to glorify, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. This is what worship looks like for you and for me. It is the chief end of who we are and what we are designed to do. And it is what Mary understood. To, glor- to glorify God and to enjoy His presence. But what is this? look like on a practical level? How do we posture our heart in being for true worship? Like how, do I, how do I get to this place? And I would simply say that, that the first thing might be adoration. To simply just sit and adore Jesus. To exalt Jesus in your life. Maybe I, I'm kind of walked us through this a little bit at the beginning, but to take time and remember his faithfulness to you, right? To, to take time even now and, and remember how he saved you, that ways, of ways that God has come through for you, has provided for you, how he has, has just moved in your life. Richard Foster says this about adoration. He says, adoration is the spontaneous yearning of the heart to worship honor, magnify, and bless God. We ask nothing but to cherish Him. We seek nothing but His exaltation. We focus on nothing but His goodness. What does that look like for us to be in adoration even now? To we would just magnify God. That we would bless God for the things that He has done. To truly cherish Jesus I, I, I'll be honest with you, I've been convicted about this in my own life, that I can get so busy just doing things, and, and, and honestly, guys, like, and, and ladies, like, it's easy to, to be in ministry and do a lot of things for God, but to just skip on being with God. That, that, that you make the, the, the work of ministry the idol and not Jesus himself being your object of affection. I'm a task-oriented person, so I take a lot of pride in being able to just knock things off the list. And I can see that even in my own life, my heart is yearning for Jesus. And maybe some of you in this room are there, and that's okay. But what does it look like to just take time and cherish Jesus? That you would just simply be at His feet to thank Him. Maybe we're not where we want to be, but we're not where we used to be. And that's worthy of, of praise. But just to simply adore God, to focus on nothing but His goodness. This week, I was just trying to make that a practice that I'm not going to ask God for anything. I'm just going to thank Him for who He is already. I'm not going to take time even now to ask Him, but I, I just want to be with Him. I was just asking God, speak to me. Just, just help me to, to cherish this moment. And to be honest, for a little while, it was like, this has only been two minutes. <laughs> like this time, I thought, I thought I was super spiritual. I'd been like two hours. I was like, all right, I got a lot of work to do. But to simply just cherish Jesus. Another thing is work. And you're like, wait, what? 
but work is one of the things that we can worship God through. Mary wasn't the only one offering something to Jesus in this story. Right? Martha was busy serving, and now I want to make this clear. This isn't a campaign to get you on a serve team. <laughs> like, we do need help, honestly, but, but this is not what this is about. We're not trying to just get you to jump in and do stuff. But to think through whatever vocation you're in, whatever space you o- occupy, how do you offer that unto the Lord? How do you offer that as worship? How do you be like Jesus and show Jesus in the places that you occupy? If it's programming, be the best programmer that you can and, and encourage people along the way. Right? If, if it's in training, be the best trainer you can be and show the light of Jesus to the world. If it's teaching, be like Jesus to the kids, the most loving person, the person that people can confide in. Right? We can honor God with what we do and give thanks to God for the abilities that he has given you to do the work. And we see again, uh, Martha was a busybody, but she used that to give honor to God. And then the last thing is witness. We see that Lazarus honored the Lord by being a witness to the work that Jesus did. So much so that people were leaving the beliefs of the Pharisees to follow Jesus. And because of the witness of Lazarus' life and miracle that Jesus had done, the Pharisees wanted him killed. But we see that witness is a form of worship even in this passage. You can worship Jesus with the witness that you have. One of the commentaries that I was reading said it simply, that the Christian life is a beautiful example of these three things. That we adore Jesus, that, that we work to that end, and that we would witness to the glory of God. So this morning, uh, as the band comes up, I want to leave space uh, for us to just simply worship. Whatever that looks like for you, it doesn't have to be, you know, what's the song, like arms high and heart abandoned and it doesn't have to look like anything, but, but something that Jesus, that you can just honor Jesus with, that you can just enjoy his presence. Maybe it's kind of getting to a corner and sitting down and, and praying. Maybe this looks like just grabbing a, a pen and paper or your phone and putting in your note app things that you're grateful to God for. But what does it look like to worship and cherish Jesus now? In your life, what are some things that you can just even in your notebook or or phone thank God for? Maybe start with this week. God, I just want to thank you for who you are, right? Like that you came through for me that I, you know, a year ago I was looking for a job and I had no no form of income. And this, this year I have one. This week you reminded me of that. Maybe it's this year, God, you have provided. You, you have answered prayers that I thought would never get answered. Maybe it's over your life that, wow, I used to be here and somebody introduced me to Jesus and I just want to worship him for that. But all of us have a reason to worship one, primarily because of who Jesus is. And if he did nothing but save us, then that would be enough for us to worship him till kingdom come. Right? That if all that I got out of this life was a relationship with Jesus, then I have everything I'll ever need. But for most of us in this room, we have a story beyond that. 
God has done so much for him. We just simply need to cherish him and be at his feet. So I want to pray. You can scatter around. You can do whatever you need to do. But we're also going to give opportunity to worship through singing. Singing is one way that we express vocally. I love coming here because I can hear everyone sing. It's one of the beauties of this church. It's, it, even if you're out of key, it's okay. It's pleasing to the Lord. And it's a beautiful sound. But you're going to get an opportunity to worship through singing. But even just now, I want to pray over you and give you time to just cherish and be with Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. God, that you are worthy of anything and everything that we could give. God, you have given so much to us. You have given us life, and life abundantly is what, what your scripture says. God, we thank you that even in this room, even today, we've experienced that. And so, Jesus, we say you are worthy. We thank you. Jesus, we adore you. God, we love you. God, we thank you for the way that you have loved us. We thank you for rescuing us and for helping us and providing for us. God, we thank you that you demonstrated your love on the cross and paid for our sins and that we have right relationship with you. God, that you love us in spite of our faults and our tendency to go back into sinful situations and, and, and to get caught up in things of the world. You love us anyway. And so Jesus, this morning, we just want to sit at your feet. We just want to say thank you. God, maybe we don't have the expensive perfume, but we have our lives to give to you and say, Jesus, this is our offering. Take what you will and do with me what you will. God, would you use us that we would work to your end and that we would be witnesses of your great love. Lord, we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Let's continue to worship.